Hello. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. You talking to us or you talking to people out there? In the I'm talking world? to the people out there, but I'm also ignoring. Oh. This is the thing about podcasts. You know what I mean? I'm going to introduce you guys in a second. But oh, I'm just, shit. I'm just starting it off. You know uh, what I'm saying? Blue, a blue cover. You know what I'm saying? That's my partner in crime there, Mr. Tyler Boone. Oh, wild man Boone at Instagram. And Glad to be here. Yeah. All day long. <laughs> okay. Well, we're back. Hanging out. This is now appropriately called Voltage Talk. That's the name of the podcast we're going with. And, uh, you know, it was time for a change. It, things had been kind of stale and uh, our direction was focused more on our bands and what was going on. And uh, at the time we were on the road more. So, you know, we had a long break and now we thought we'd rebrand, come back and give you the show you guys deserve so our guest today is dan fenton hey buddies the singer of voltage hawk so we have three fourths of the band voltage hawk on the podcast today. Mm-hmm. it's pretty nice it's pretty nice how's it going dan uh, it's going good buddy welcome to our show thank you tyler's been on plenty of times he wasn't on last week but you know we, we make do with what we have. It's always one of us is here. Either way. Nice. A lot of times I get called out in the, in, in the bad weather or the good weather. Just what what's all happening, you know? Is that what we're calling it now? Weather? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Weather's clever. Weather's Whatever's clever. clever. Oh, hang on one second. Sorry. Okay, there we go. Technical difficulty. We're back. We're That's back. Just I checking levels. I got electrocuted really bad. Yeah, it was that weather thing. <laughs> weather. So, anyways, wanted to talk to you guys, hang out a little bit, and um, get to know our singer. Little things about him and mm-hmm. maybe how we all came together. And it's a way to also shout out our drummer, Jared, that we miss him. So this is another uh, passive-aggressive tactic. Come home, Jared. To tell him to come home. He's been on a build. Uh, our drummer, Jared, works for a great non-for-profit organization that uh, <coughs> is called Notes for Notes. And um, they it's do a beautiful a, organization. Yeah, it's a great charity. And uh, right now what he does is he's been building studios, recording studios for kids in inner cities to basically have a chance to be able to make music or attempt to attract that to younger kids lives especially those who don't have the opportunity yeah. for it so he's doing awesome but we still have to give him shit because we miss him yeah and he has to come back here and hit drums yeah jared is our official unofficial leader so yeah dude he's got the brain he runs everything he does and like who runs like the world yeah, and in a good way. Yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way. More like he's the one that like keeps us on track and like the reason why we've had such good momentum lately. Yeah. Tyler Boone. How's it hanging? We were recording last week. That's right. We we were. Why don't you tell people a little about that while I like It was this. it was pretty awesome. Um we were at Midtown Sound, uh, which is over near Music Row in Midtown. And I actually recorded there years ago with my old band Hydra Mamas. And so it was nice to be back and kind of reminisce. But we were recording with some friends of ours, uh, PM and Riley and uh, Todd Bond, a lot of other people. Um, but we did a really cool project. I guess it was n- like a neo soul R and B 
Big ups, shout outs, big up shout outs, Riley, PM, Todd Vaughn, Stefan. Yep. All the people. It was a good time. Great time. Um but yeah, there's there's a lot of cool instrumentation on it. There um two guitars, bass drums, um uh, three vocalists, um B three organ, uh, I think piano and violin and saxophone. Oh yeah, dude, we got everything. It's it was just a really incredible experience, and everybody was top notch players that were were there, and we just had a great time. So what's your What's your favorite setup type of thing, of like a band situation? What do you think is like the best amount of people? I, th- I think a, I think <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's fun to have a bunch of people, but more I, the merrier. Uh, kind of, but uh, I th- I think uh, three to six is kind of comfortable and and nice, nice space to play around in. So yeah, like every band ever, basically. Like <laughs> three it's six, a good it's like a good number. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's why it's, it's so a good popular. range. It's a good range. I, I really like trios a lot because you can. There's a lot of space there, but I, I like you know other groups. They're like four and five, six people. Yeah, like there, for sure. There's like other bands that have like nine people in them, and I think they're still really awesome. As, oh yeah. As long as you have like creative people, you could have, you know, one person or a hundred. You yeah. know, yeah. I think that it's once you find uh, enough creative people that actually vibe together versus, uh, you know, uh, people who are like, "This is my idea and this is what's up." Oh yeah. You yeah. know, once you have enough of that fluid creativity you know you can do it with two people or you know with Volta Chalk we do four people and yeah well like for me personally like that's my favorite setup is like two guitars a bass and drums like yeah. that's what I love and everybody sings Sweet. you know like even though yeah that I- that just happens to be what our band is as well it's it's also that's like my favorite to have I kind of play guitar you know <laughs> what well, we do yeah you know we and and like we have all these double harmony things and and different stuff that i like because it gives you the option to branch out sonically <laughs> but at the same time you can also just do big guitar fucking heavy yeah. shit where it's just both of us playing the same riff and it's really big and um when you have so many people, you know, uh, it can it can sometimes like like the way we did last week, I thought was really cool, where it was basically the core of the group was that, like I was saying, the four people, and then two singers on top of that as well. And then everybody who was all the extra parts, they came and added those, all at different times, you know. So it kind of had this already established cool vibe and then these people add layers on top which that i enjoy with a big group Mm -hmm. but like playing wise sometimes it's hard to get an actual big group to groove in that same order you know what i mean for sure like you know one of the scariest things um when i was in school was we had uh to basically write out these chord charts we had to write all the notation for it, um, if there was any kind of melody line or something. But we had to write out these chord charts and write a song and um, write out everything for it and then show up at school and have a bass player and a drummer were there at school. And then you basically, they've never heard it before or seen the music before. And you have to give it to them 
and then lead the band as well like be like all right everybody here we go to the bridge or or you know like <laughs> that kind of thing and um with them never hearing it before you know and uh and while you're doing that you have a row of teachers all who are badasses basically just looking at you like you better nail this you know ultimate test and um dude oh it was the worst another thing that's just like that in in school is called juries which is more of like a classical thing fucking terrible but that's with every teacher in the school is there in a room the teachers are all there no other students just (sighs) you and you walk in and you have to have like a solo piece prepared and oh man that used to oh it's the worst you go leaving and you're just sitting there like riddled with anxiety um i feel like i know i understand so much more about you when i hear these stories <laughs> yeah <laughs> right like when we're in the studio why i'm so stuff, like, I'm riddled like with anxiety. i'm like if i was half the guitar player that you were i would not be as critical of myself <laughs> yeah. in the moments yeah but all I had but now it people, makes a little more yeah, sense yeah exactly and at that time oh but at the same time that i'm super critical of myself i slack off hard dude and so that same thing i was talking about where i had to show up and um write these songs and then you know give it to the bass player and drummer we hadn't written it like me and another friend of mine um he had crashed at my house the night before because i had worked out a few things but like kind of chord ideas mm-hmm. but i really didn't have anything done <laughs> and this was like our final one of our f- like final projects and i was like oh no i'm not sure what to do and he came over and literally was like he <laughs> he had a, a bag of weed and a little bag of coke <laughs> and he just went help me pass help and like gave it to me <laughs> and basically we didn't sleep and i i didn't pick up the guitar and this is when I was like super into theory and like thinking of everything all right. the time. And I didn't pick up the guitar and was just like writing out just chord charts That's and going. And I wrote four in one night and then I had to play two of them. And my friend played the other two and I got an A on the thing. But like, so all I mean wow. is I also do it to myself where I put a bunch of pressure on myself because I think it's because I know I'm so prone to being uh, procrastinator. Yeah, procrastinator yeah. out like a motherfucker. You know. Yeah. What about you? Like, did you ever have any lessons or anything like that? Uh, not really. Uh, when I figure, I don't really know what like if there was like a holy crap moment. Like, this is I gotta play rock and roll in yeah. particular. I think like you know, the first time you hear Hendrix and the who and things like that. And you're just like, Oh wow, this is totally different than, you know, children's music. It's something completely (laughs) different than, you know, what I've heard before. And then, you know, getting really into heavier music and whatnot. And that kind of speaking to my angsty, uh, teenage soul or whatever. But, uh, you know, we grew up, pretty poor and so like we couldn't really afford lessons but my dad was a uh, preacher so there was lots of you know variety of people in the church and uh the first person that ever gave me a guitar was actually the uh music leader at uh my dad's church in new york Mm. and i had tried to kind of learn from guitar from my dad because he plays but 
he's left-handed and he plays upside down and backwards. Oh, so the man. high E string is like Those people top. are the worst. And dude. it makes no sense. But I mean, like I feel like you have to have a level of weird genius to be able to be good dude, I and play the instrument that, completely yeah. bizarro. Yeah. But I couldn't learn anything. Like I learned Secret Agent, man. Just like, that was what my dad taught me. But this music leader from the church, Mike Compatillo is his name. Uh, showed me power chords and that was it man i was fucking like on the train of writing songs after that i was like you can do so much like and then i learned some blues scales and then i got like heavy into the blues and all that but i never had um guitar lessons i had friends who had like their parents could afford to pay for guitar lessons so they would kind of like show me what they learned and so it was like sort of a guitar lesson i guess in a way yeah that's that's a great way to learn like in, in the beginning of my playing i didn't have any guitar lessons or bass lessons or anything like that the one thing i did have is when i was 11 i had uh, had cello lessons for a little while for about a year and a half i had uh, learned how to play the cello and then so really all it was was like i just knew how to fret with my left mm-hmm. hand and um and like i'm left-handed yeah too, but i play right-handed because i didn't know there was a a difference and um so I was just used to the fretting with the left hand. So when I picked up the bass. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it this way. But that's how I learned was like, I was a teenager on the early stages of YouTube. And then also I had friends that were all playing. So mm-hmm. I would just ask them like, why do you do that? Yeah. Like, why does that sound good? Or what is that? And then they'd show me like the blues scale mm-hmm. or something, pentatonics and um, power chords and how to do that. And yeah. You know, that's so valuable and it's just like school in itself if you're just around people that are better than you yeah well and that's that's kind of always been my thing is like uh when i was in like middle school and high school and stuff my friend lauren little john who's the dude who made us fuzz pedals so shout out to lauren little john thanks so much um so he was more advanced at guitar than i was and he was into like way heavier music than i even knew existed at the time <laughs> like uh and we both grew up in like staunchly religious families and so it was just like his parents were like throwing it out and then he'd get more and it was the same with like porn and stuff yeah. he'd just find a way so lauren always had this you know he, he was a little better so he was the lead guitar player and you know i learned enough to play rhythm yeah um and then it went on kind of from there. I played with my friend um, more recently before I met you and stuff. I had played with my friend Nathan McFarland, um, also known as Dr. McFarland. Uh, phenomenal guitar player, great great player. And, and I learned some stuff from him. But it was uh, there's so many times he's like, I want to teach you stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to keep doing the, th- the things that I'm doing. Because I think for me, guitar is like, it's... I want to make, uh, we were talking about it the other day, I, I try to make like a whole symphonic thing happen almost mm-hmm. all the time. And uh, I think part of that is uh, growing up without a lot of technique and just kind of using the pedals as, uh, I don't, not as much a crutch, but more of a tool. Yeah. Um, and so then part of it is like, yeah. I want to hear everything that's in my head when I'm playing. 
And like, yeah. I don't have the patience necessarily to go like, all right, I'll, once I hear the full band, it'll be that. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I need to surround myself with sound. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes, you know, my guitar tone and that kind of thing. But well, that's why I think you use the guitar like a symphonic, like, or like a symphony itself. Basically, yeah. that's well, your I mean, tool. Tyler too is like the cellos and the <laughs> yeah exactly a whole bunch the of the timpani synths, somehow synths, in there. octaves you yeah. know and and that's a great way to go about the instrument and th- i don't think there's any right way there's no and, th- and that is something i had to accept over time too because yeah. i think that like when you know that you're like lacking technique and that kind of thing you're like oh man i suck and whatever and it's like no it's not it's not a matter of that it's just like artistically Everything you learn, you can just add on to the creativity that's already happening. For sure. You know, and I get excited about that playing uh, guitar alongside with you because where you start to go sometimes, I'm like, I I can't quite do this yet, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And then we can move forward together. And it's kind of a, even at 36 years old, it's for me, it's like, this is a really cool experience yeah, to be yeah. able to continue learning. And as long as you stay curious, you always keep learning. And yeah. Like that's, that's like with me, why I'm always like, I'm buying different picks all the time and, and doing different string gauges and doing these different techniques more just cause for me with the instrument, that's what I really dig. I dig technique. I dig like people who are doing weird, you know, like I, I want to always have the ability to have alternate picking, economy picking, hybrid picking, yeah. two handed tapping and like, did you ever um, go yeah. through the the phase where you just had an obscene amount of pedals? Um, or is that is never a year? No, thing? for me, this is the most pedals really? I've ever had. And if, you, kn- if you notice, yeah, with yeah. him, he's, oh, yeah. dude, he's got You're an just, arsenal. Yours grows and grows. But with mine, see the difference, like with me and Tyler, like, because you know what it is? It's like you're not afraid of modulation. And of like really going out there and yeah. crazy with effects, and what sometimes one thing I've told you, and like we talked about off the podcast before, but even if I bring it up now, is one thing I enjoy about you not learning theory or not doing mm-hmm. these things like that, not having a, a regimented approach or like a certain way. What it does is keep you with this. It's like these own parameters that get built. You know, one thing in learning, even though in school we'd learn all this crazy heady stuff, sometimes there'd be teachers or a book that I really love, um, Concepts for Modern Guitar. One of the things they talk about is, all right, you learn all this stuff, but the best thing to do is now give yourself rules. And what those rules are is at the same time they're freeing by taking something like, okay, I'm only going to use a pentatonic scale on this one string Mm -hmm. and I have to make it work. I only have these five notes and I have to make it not just work like where, oh, it fits. It has a sound musical, Mm -hmm. you know, and with you not knowing like, oh, yeah, we're going to play, you know, whatever melodic minor over this and like do some weird diminished thing over this seventh chord. Instead, you have like the things, you know, and you're able to just navigate them in such a way that it's uh it's like endless possibilities for creativity. I and like one of the one of the, the problems with people that go to music school and then they want to get out of school and start writing after they've just been like listening to John Schofield forever and mm-hmm. all these like fusion people and then Scott Henderson and you know um, whoever you name Alan Holdsworth, 
then they're like, okay, there's all these options. And then they're like, now it's time for me to write. Oh, all right, where do I go? You know, they don't, they don't know where to start. And with you, you're like, yeah, it's a fucking power chord. You hit right here, (laughs) motherfucker. And then you go to the next one right here. Two times. And like, yeah, but really from doing that exactly gives you this freedom to be like, who gives a fuck where you go? There's no rules. Right. Isn't that the point? You know, Mm -hmm. and people who go to school and get intense about technique sometimes can lose that. And I, I say that as knowing I've been like that myself too, where I've like heard things and then my mind will go, well, that's wrong. Like what they're doing. And then I'm like, it's not wrong. It's what they want to do. So that doesn't make it wrong at all. It's like, you're wrong for even first taking it that way. You know, you got to, just see where their approach is, where they're coming from, you know? Mm-hmm. But no, I, I love that. And, and with my pedal board, if you notice, it's like, I have a chorus, like that's the only modulation. I just have reverbs and delays. Yeah, I'm, I'm and trying to think of what all is on my pedal board right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a bunch of crazy yeah, stuff. Cause cause I, I the, just played into the amp. Right? The space echo. Yeah. The, uh, I have two Holy grail reverbs. One mm-hmm. that's set to flurb, uh, mm-hmm. because, when you just you don't even have to do anything like just let you know the sound oscillate and modulate and do yeah. its weird thing yeah, and it's yeah. you're filling in this you know weird void that you didn't know could be filled in you well, know? that's me you're more like you're like a john williams like sitting there basically where you're like all right here we go the horns and it's yeah like, and that's it that's how i hear on. it in my head so much of the time yeah, yeah. and it's kind of it's I was telling um, my wife the other day, uh, I was just super hyper the whole day because I just had this riff going on in my head. Yeah. And I was like, it almost is like it's like a weird form of possession where until you record it or get it out or finish writing it or whatever, I just hear it on repeat in my head. Um, yeah, just like circles. Just around. like scratching at me, just like, oh, finish the fucking song, dude. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, that's not always that easy, you know. Yeah. Did uh, Did Jeff uh, in the studio use that ma- Maleko Diabolic of mine on your guitar? Which one pedal is that? board? That's that kind of pink and light blue. For people who don't know, that's a fuzz pedal. It's basically okay. like a heavy distortion. It's, it's kind a of thing. Justin Mendel Johnson's signature pedal. Yeah. I, I probably. I don't. I thought I saw. I, I thought he. Like for something y'all were doing, he pulled it off my board and y'all used it. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a couple. We, we were pulling stuff on and off each other's boards and oh trying yeah. it on bass and guitar. Yeah, and there was just pedals. I think there's some photos online of just. And yeah. He had some in his, his closet. He pulled out and it was it was awesome. And the tiny amp, like the I think I mentioned it the other week too, of like how we record some things on that cigarette pack that yep. has an amp inside yep. it. It was really cool. But Tyler, like, you know, when I first met you, you had some pedals on your board, but, you know, we didn't have that crazy board that he uses now Mm -hmm. and all that. But, like, what made you want to get into that? Because most bass players, nowadays in 2019, it's a little different. A lot of people have boards and have all this shit. But at the same time, especially when we were all younger, like, playing. Yeah, back in the 90s, I I was looking at, like, Cliff Burton and Bootsy Collins and uh, Stanley Clark and yeah. Flea and all of them kind of used different pedals at times and and I just thought thought it was cool I, I 
I got like a wah pedal and a and a baseball baseballs pedal uh, yeah. electro harmonics. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would just kind of me- mess around with stuff. Um, I also played guitar back then, so I, I'd get guitar pedals, and then just because I had them, I'd try them on bass, you know, and see what happened. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I I've always been interested. I mean, I know it's uh it's best to to be able to uh, play clean first and everything and and so I I played you know just clean forever um and then started dabbling and adding a little bit of stuff here and there and then like at home though I, I would always play with play around with different pedals so yeah eventually I started working it into my live playing with bands I was playing in um in the past 10 years yeah and you just liked the sound like just getting experiences yeah because yeah, i mean y- you can kind of paint different pictures um like based on the the bass tone and so if it's if it's just clean all the time i mean yeah you can blend in anywhere but sometimes you want to d- you know blend in in different ways or yeah you know color it up a little bit differently yeah textures and yeah kind of feel yeah, so I mean, like a a synth bass on a on a, a dance song is is acceptable, you know, and and so is a clean bass. So it's just it's yeah. just kind of whatever you want to do. But I, I was just trying to trying to go a more creative route than just a really clean tone. Even though there's awesome really clean tones out there and a, b- a bunch of different ones to go with. Yeah, as far as pickups, I mean, I really like passive. Just a clean passive pickup, mm. um, mainly P bass stuff. But I've been really liking a um, Music Man style pickup here recently. They're really cool sounding. But That's awesome. That's awesome. Love jazz pickups too. Well, can I ask you guys about this? If we can tell the people about some uh, some Voltage Hawk plans, like. What are some plans we have maybe this year or the future or some goals that you guys feel? Uh, I think that, uh, you know, we've had, uh, it's been a very fruitful year creatively, you know, just, oh, yeah. uh, just writing wise. Uh, I think 90% of the songs that we've, you know, sought to write would, are like almost ready to go. Yeah. So I think that I know that in our near future is, um, a lot of demoing uh, and just kind of figuring out what these songs are going to sound like, you know, on in the can, you mm-hmm. know, because I think that live in the room, it's like going to be one thing, but uh, there's many space plans and things like that in my head. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, getting some more music out, getting, uh, getting out on the road is uh, definitely number one priority. I think for, for us mm-hmm. as we, we love Nashville, but it's time to go visit some other beautiful yeah. states. And promote the album we uh, currently have. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I think uh, with the nature of how I write, it's like everything is past in my mind. It's like boom, 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 like yeah, on to yeah. the next thing. And it's like this is uh, – I love the record that we created. Um, and uh, Jeff, who produced it, just did an incredible job uh, – steering us in the direction 
you know, sound wise and sonic landscape wise and weirdness wise and yeah, just really awesome. encouraging us not to give any fucks about what anybody else thought or, you know, would tell us to do. And we just did what we wanted. I can't think of one song on that record that, uh, that's like, oh, we held back. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's yeah, definitely sure. <laughs> no holding back. We're like, if we want to make noise at the end of this song for however many seconds we're going to do it because to us it's not noise to us i think there's such a musicality to those tones and it creates moods and vibes and you know visuals in the mind and to me that's like that's such a huge part of what music is is like you know you you can see and hear with your brain you know like if you close your eyes and you think of a place you're not seeing it with your eyes your mind is seeing it you know if you sing a song in your head without singing it you're not hearing it your brain is remembering it or whatever Mm -hmm. so i think like with songs having you you want to be able to paint a picture in some in someone's mind of you know whatever landscape that song Mm -hmm. is portraying i think of that a lot too like even when i'm writing or thinking of a part like when we're putting something yeah that's all I do in my head is I have like a visual of something or like a lot of times it's like cheesy or whatever, but I, it is almost when I was calling you John Williams before, like I almost think of like something that's happening in a movie mm-hmm. and then and this is going to go behind it. So how is this going to fit? And that's know? perfect because that's, you know, exactly how I see a lot of, uh, of any of this, like you can take any of our songs for the most part and whether it's, even whether it's satire, it's a serious subject matter or whatever. Uh, and the words in the song are a visual aid to maybe what the story is or, you know, what you're talking about. And then the music is like, you know, that auditory cinematic experience of like, I can feel, you know, this weird place that I can feel like modern gasoline, like these these guitars, this bass tone that's just like rattling my balls. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, this takes me to this fast driving vehicle, this intensity, you know, and that kind of thing. And I think that that's sort of the goal. But I got off topic there. Uh, no, 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 not at all. No. I, if I seemed, I was just looking up some things that I was trying to find an article that I had before. Ah. There was a thing that I was looking at today that uh, I don't know, man. You know, it's like, I'm not fucking shitting on people or whatever, but sometimes I'm like, just kind of you and me have like talked about like depression and stuff like that before. And one thing that bothers me and maybe it is, maybe it's a fear in myself of never wanting to be like that is when people use their depression as a way to stifle people's opinions Mm. is like upsetting to me because I don't care if like, these things upset you people are entitled to have them yeah and the the reason i'm saying that is there was this thing with um cory taylor uh or slipknot yeah yeah and he was talking about him and quite a few different bands like 1975 and um smashing pumpkins and different people have been talking shit about imagine dragons right and uh calling them basically the new nickelback because oh, no. they're like a band that's getting super popular 
but then there's this rising group of people that hate them mm. and starting to basically think like they're the ones ruining because they are labeled like what a rock band is right now is Imagine right, Dragons, right. which is like an electronic is, group. Yeah, really know? kind of pop. My daughter yeah. really likes Imagine Dragons. And um, so he heard the singer. I can't remember his name right now. So I was trying to look at the, the article. But um, basically, like roughly, I'm paraphrasing everything. But he uh, he heard about all these comments and then was just saying that like, you know, uh, people's opinions and all this stuff, like kind of basically saying that musicians shouldn't put each other down and we're all trying to write here, which is a true thing. And we're all trying to do something in music. So we should all support each other. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, you know, he, he then said like, and all of these comments basically just like, they feed at my depression and then my depression like makes me, you know, not the Imagine Dragons you know, guy. Was yeah. Yeah. That. He's saying that. And it's like basically like saying you guys hurt my feelings. Right. So you can't talk anymore. Like, you know, like yeah. that, this isn't right. And it's like you should keep your comments to yourself. And it's like I, I get that, that you don't want to like right. be negative towards anybody. But at the same time. He's probably just joking and he's talking shit, yeah. which is like, you know, whatever. People want to talk shit about Nickelback. People want to talk shit about Creed and do all this shit. And well, I Scott do it too because it's Stapp funny. just moved to Nashville. Did you see that? No, I didn't see he that. He was actually at uh, a restaurant the other night. But yes. all I'm saying is yes. people talk him. shit about That's Creed awesome. and they want to act like <laughs> the, because it became cool to hate them, right? Right. But nobody remembers the fact that everybody fucking loved them. Which, like, when did, that, when did that become a thing that um like because i feel like i don't know maybe maybe 80s hair metal got it i don't know but there was a point there had to been a point in history where somebody was like well you're gonna have this gang mentality of we all hate this and oh yeah you hate it too let's be friends well, it happens all the time i know but like what is that psychologically oh, i wonder i, I mean it's I group pack mentality i guess it makes people feel better where they build somebody up that you, becomes a god to them that yeah. everybody worships, and then they all enjoy punching up yeah. and taking down the god because they have the power. Right. See, but you gave them the goddamn power, so yeah. why are you hating them in the first? Like yeah. Dane Cook is another fucking oh, yeah. example he, of that he's dude. Definitely the, dude. the Nickelback of comedy. Yeah, but at the same time, that first Comedy Central special was funny as fuck, man. And there's quite a few things mm-hmm. that Dane Cook did that. Dude, he's not a bad like you know comedian or anything. Like oh, yeah. he's, the fact that you're able to control Madison Square Garden as one person yeah. is like a big feat, you know. Well, I think there's a such thing as almost in these situations, it's like too big, like you got too big, and then that that's the point when everybody wants to crucify you. Yeah, you know, uh, which sucks because it's not their fault that they got too big. No, but it like it makes me wonder about, uh, you know different groups uh like i think about uh like i i like a lot of the run the jewels stuff mm-hmm. um i think killer mike probably has one of the coolest mc voices mm-hmm. in existence and just a great persona yeah, he's um, awesome. but i wonder to myself like is this music that's gonna you know has it already gotten too big and too like widely accepted you know, because people like to have their cult mentalities of music. Like, we're just, we're the ones that are into this music. I'm into this music. You're into this music, like, p- with punk rock, whatever it is. I know, and I've always hated that. Yeah, and, uh, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, 
Don't you? Wouldn't that's you one Jared can for, definitely speak on. But wouldn't you be uh, happy for any that. band you're into that got popular? Yeah, you know? but it's, it's weird because like, it reaches a point and then people suddenly hate it. You know, like Foo Fighters is kind of yeah getting to that point. Well, you know, I also see too. I understand people not falling in love with changes of sound over time, but that's also okay. You're the favorite artist you have shouldn't be able to just. Or shouldn't have to do the same thing every no, time. No, absolutely. They not. should evolve and change. Like Metallica. That's why I love Tom Waits. Or Tom Waits, exactly. With Mark Rabot, his guitar player, is like one of my favorites. Yeah, so he's awesome. But um, just eternal evolution. But even something Radiohead. like Metallica, or yeah. or Radiohead, where they've changed with every few albums, and yeah. they do all these different stuff. And so, but I also get audience drop off of those things. That sure. doesn't like. Well, it's like Jack White is in like three four bands yeah every year. plus yeah. it's like yeah he also did like uh was it loretta lynn or not loretta lynn but it's more that yeah, thing of what oh, yeah loretta lynn it's more that thing of what i'm talking about we're like how what happened with creed creed i was watching a thing the other day about creed i didn't know this that they were like one of the number one selling rock bands of all time Really? Oh, when yeah. that's by the time the second album came out. Yeah. They were huge. Within two albums, they sold almost 20 million albums. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were hu- at the time that nobody was downloading music. Yeah. Like, you know, well, there were, it was the beginning of that. But, like, all I mean is these dudes were killing it, playing the Super Bowl, doing all this different <laughs> shit. Yeah. And then it's like everybody just decided, now we hate this. Or Nickelback. And, and but what when know. when is the turning point? When is the yeah, point when is, is it just somebody cooler in like a group of people? Like the cool guy is suddenly like, it's not cool anymore, man. Yeah, right. Is no, it one it's not. Person? I don't like this anymore. I only like the Strokes because that would have been the right time period, right? Yeah. Sort of the Creed mm-hmm. death, Strokes yeah. birth. And you know what? I when the when Strokes the first came out, I didn't get it yeah. because. I was listening to a lot of screamy hardcore music and mm. you know and then like weird depressing acoustic music just in a whatever that phase was and now it's like I could listen to uh, under the cover of darkness every fucking day yeah uh, because it's an amazing song and songs that I didn't even think I liked before um like taken for a fool like, mama da, 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 da. <laughs> I love it. And I'm just yeah. like, I get it. I remember like my buddy Cody McLeod, uh, who I worked with at Gibson, just loving um, Albert Hammond Jr. And just being like wanting to play guitar like him, everything, you know, just mm. like, I was like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. I love Rage Against the Machine. You know, I love, you know, just loud riffage. Yeah. But I mean, they... Stro- uh, Strokes had loud riffage as well, yeah, but it was like sort of more mathematic when it came to the scales yeah. and things. Really cool yeah. guitar stuff. I'll and always it, but yeah, I mean, like I, I've kind of wondered, like in my mind, like is you know, I start to see all these kids dressing, you know, like very '90s esque again, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, is there going to be this resurgence of these bands of bands like? Nickelback and Creed when like suddenly like what once was not cool will be cool will be cool again because that's how it kind of grunge first because isn't it like 80s stuff cool kind (laughs) of now well yeah and now it's verging into 90s stuff but 
the thing is, is like if you're getting older, we're all getting older. Yeah, and Man. '80s stuff is really cool right now for like younger kids to like be into. Because yeah, like, '80s stuff know. is forever cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. No, it was, it was a great time in everything. A time of excess and like, even <laughs> just like when you played for hire, like, <coughs> you know, people. All of course, people fucked people over and and didn't pay them for shit and different mm. things back then as well. But like, if you got hired on a tour, you know, whatever with Michael Jackson or something like that, you had like rack equipment. You just didn't have pedals. You had rack oh, yeah. chorus. You had rack yeah. everything. Yeah. You had four amps and like a whole treasure trove of guitars and all this stuff, like your own bus, yeah. basically. Yeah. And now it's even huge bands like Baroness or something like that, who's like a known band and tours all the time and is really big. They're in a van. They're, yeah. uh, they're still in a van. Yeah. What's well, interesting, I was listening to um, Music Business Radio. Um, do you ever listen to that? No. It's on Lightning 100. Oh, yes. I've, I've caught it. So. so they do like an interview with different industry people. Um, it's like Sunday nights, I think, normally. And I'm not trying to like promote this thing. Yeah, talk about <laughs> another radio show on our radio Sorry, show yeah. here, bro. But uh, anyway, they were interviewing a tour bus guy. Um, and he was like talking about like, is a bus right for your band and stuff. And they were talking about like how much, you know, like, oh yeah, you use like $2,000 in fuel a day and things like that. And oh I'm yeah, just like, it's all ridiculous. Fuck it, hell man. Like <laughs> just buy a, a jet. I don't know. Like, Well, that's could, why people can't do it anymore. But I'm saying that's Willie why Nelson it's like van, you know, get a sprinters, you know, those are yeah. nice. Can we have a sprinter? I heard his uh, tour bus has like biofuel, Willie Nelson. Oh yeah, but he at the same time, what I mean it. though, <laughs> country music along. or anything like the people who have buses is because that music sells enough to afford. Yeah, buses. to justify it. You know what I mean? And, and rock music is have, just though? not like that now. Yeah. You know, hip hop overtook, and it's the biggest thing in the world right now. Yeah. You know, everything they do is huge. So, even bigger rock bands are yeah in a van mm -hmm. doing their thing and being cost effective. But I, that's what I see turning around is not just, I don't know if it's going to be a resurgence of whatever decade. Right. And even if it is, I don't give a fuck. It's like, I think there's going to be at least, there's a huge community online that is still heavily into guitar work and instrumentation. Yeah. And playing, you know, and rock music. You know, it kind of went to YouTube and then it became this like gent metal and like, heavy you know super technical stuff so it kind of formed its own trend mm -hmm. and different things but i feel like on charts like in a chart selling way i think the pendulum is starting to swing back there are rock bands like yeah getting a little more recognized now or even just it just feels weird though man i talked about last week about the grammys like i just hate it whenever you see like the rock things and it's all like at 7 30 in the morning and like there's yeah. nobody there <laughs> yeah yeah well like, and oh, i cool. think that you know, as the people acknowledge uh, the music more than, you know, the man has to acknowledge things. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also because, like, kids right now, like, trap music, especially somebody like Lil Pump or something like that, is straight up the music to piss off your parents. Like, you listen right. to to piss sure. off your parents. And rock music is not that anymore. Right. Rock music is like, as my dad showed me this, you know? Yeah. And that's what oh, it yeah. kind of became. I've tried to get my know? son, uh, who's 12, into rock music. And it's like, it's got to have, like, 
like bass drops that are <laughs> yeah. not real. Yeah, it's not yeah. real. Like that. Like it's, it's. I I think I was tr- talking to a friend about music, and I'm just like, I'm just so I'm a very analog human being. Yeah. You know, like I just I like to be able to do things with my hands, work with my hands, cook food, you know, whatever, and. So when it comes down to like a lot of the electronic music, I think it's cool. I mean, I like a good or whatever every once in a while. But I also feel like, uh, you know, younger kids that are only listening to that, you know, mm-hmm. the perspective is it, it's robot. It's not human, really. Yeah. I guess there's a small human element. It feels weird, man. And even like. Which yeah. that trend's kind of fallen off too. Yeah, of yeah, that dubstep, dubstep and that stuff is kind of done. Weird time period. But even then, everything you know. Corn did a dubstep album, and didn't yeah, they do a Skrillex? With Skrillex, with Skrillex. Skrillex. Oh, but see, man, all that I'm stuff go get was that. go get it, Tyler. But Put all it that on. stuff is over ten years ago, dude. Like, oh, all God. that stuff is old. What you're talking? I about. I lost like, a few years. I meant Skrillex. Skrillex. Even all that stuff, dude. That like nowadays, it's like. No, I mean I'm hip to the Senna, funna, funna. You know, whatever. The problem yeah, is, is yeah. like, if, if you're going to do it, be good at it. Like, that's the thing that bothers me is like that. I feel like the amount of trap rappers that, I mean, maybe it's part of the whole thing to not really say much of anything. I think it's because we raised and like the generation just under us is the like ironic as shit generation no, it's right true. Yeah. so that's kind of why i think they like migos and all this stuff because it's retarded yeah you know what i mean yeah it's, fair. it's like it's like they like it because nobody should like it so let's yeah. make it the number one thing yeah. <laughs> which is kind of hilarious like, <laughs> when yeah. i think about it but it's like a- dude there was a there's a video on instagram that became like a popular thing for a little while and it's migos reading a children's book yeah and they're just like reading it over a beat and doing it. I don't even remember what it was like. Go to bed. Yeah. Go to whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. The song, the book chicken was. and the stir fry. But um, they're doing this. And then the way the videos pass is like Migos makes anything fire. You know what I mean? And it's like, wait, shouldn't like in my head, <laughs> I would have looked at this as like, yeah, see, this is how easy it is. They can read from a kid's right. book and you still like right. people still like it. That's fucked up. But instead, everybody's like, isn't that awesome? Isn't that the best? And you're yeah. like, we've been downgraded. Wait, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. We used to have like Tech 9 and these guys that could rap 8 million miles an hour. But even Tech 9, I heard an interview with him and he was talking about Lil Pump. Who uh-huh. I, I don't like that dude at all. You know, he keeps saying his name. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. He just made, uh, put an album out oh, called okay. Harvard Dropout. And it's, uh, it's like, it's really big right now. And, um, I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. And the the big song he first came out with is Gucci Gang. Oh, yeah. Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. Spend that on a new chain, you know, all that. And there was a thing with um, Tech Nine, and he's like, "Oh, Lil Pump, I love it. I love it." And he goes, "Esket it," because yeah. that's like Lil Pump's <laughs> his thing. He says, "Esket it," oh, right? Which means it, like, let's, let's get, get it. it. But instead, it's esket it. <laughs> Right? That's great. That's great. Yeah. And so he does that Let's and he's like, oh, I love it, man. It's the best. This is like the new thing. This is what the kids are doing and I, I enjoy it. And I'm yeah. like, Oh fuck, man. I thought you were gonna hate it. Uh, no, I- okay. And and so it makes me then go, All right, am I getting old now? And this is maybe the cool thing and I think like you, you c- 
if you can understand, you know, I think there's a difference between getting it and understanding it. Mm. You're definitely like, getting old. Those I things. have. <laughs> I have, I'm getting it's 30 like, this year. It's like you might have people that you don't like, but you respect. Yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, 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 for sure. So I think that there's, like, I can understand the appeal to some of this stuff, especially to kids who, you know, like, if something's catchy, that's all it takes. You know, it's just, mm. and that's how music has been forever, though. I mean, bubblegum pop. My mom listened to yeah, a lot of, for sure. you know, just like, hey, you. Berry, you know whatever people have always like simplified kind of yeah because it's easy because yeah. you don't have to be a musician to understand you don't have to it. think or anything but i think that like i think nowadays too that we're underestimating uh the audience and i think for a long time i thought the opposite because i see a lot of this music that's seemingly um dumbed down i don't want to say dumbed down that sounds i cool, know what you mean but yeah. simplified um, but I think that, I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think that like creating music that's, you know, has lyrics that are poignant and, and, you know, make you think, um, opposed to just nonsense and having, you know, guitar parts and bass parts and drum parts and everything that are just, aren't just like super basic, simple things. They're a little more complicated. I think that it allows the listener's mind to expand. You yeah, know, sure. and I think that like if if we dumb everything down all the time, eventually it'll just be everything will be bland. You know, music mm -hmm. in general. If we're just like, well, the audience just wants this. Like yeah. if we, I was like, Chase, man, you know, you know, these songs aren't cutting it anymore. Our mm -hmm. songs are just you know too hard or sad or deep or whatever. Let's yeah. just GC and D this shit and yeah. you know write a hooky whatever and uh, if we if we continue to do that then people are just going to get stupider so it's like almost yeah. a rebellious mentality it's the same thing with like uh everybody saying don't make albums anymore i agree, you know? mm -hmm. I agree. what are your thoughts on that tyler boone on not making albums anymore <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't mean volta chalk i just mean people saying you should only release singles or whatever that's lame yeah that's so lame but it, i mean pe people back in the day would write 40 songs or more for one album and then like go in and, and record it one take everybody to tape you know and p pick you know the See, 10 best songs dumber. <laughs> yeah well I mean, there's so much because it's made it's become easier yeah. you know because now there's so much look at the fact of like younger kids i have a nephew that's 18 hmm. anything he puts on instagram or or another cousin of mine who's younger does stuff on twitter it, a lot of what kids do now, if they put something up and it doesn't get engagement right away, they just delete that shit. Really? Like it never happened. Their memory, they're trying to, we're supposed to be storing and sharing with people. Mm -hmm. It's like it never happened. Oh, and weird. so instead, they're basically, they want everything to look perfect and everything to look like life is better than what, Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, than yeah, what you really know. And so even with music, it's like that now. Now people can sit there and do 50 takes and do all this different shit. Right. It helps us in the studio, yeah. you know? So it's a, it's a great tool to now have the ability to go, ah, I fucked up that one part. Can we do that again? Yeah. And we can do as many times as we like now. But I just to your point is like, there's also 
what happens is, is we're losing the rough edges that are so beautiful about things right. sometimes. Like my favorite version of Strawberry Fields is fucking John Lennon by himself in the studio. It's on like the extras on those like box mm-hmm. set Beatles things where it's him by himself with an out of tune acoustic and him just doing it. And it sounds fucking awesome. And it's very like impactful. Yeah. And, um, I don't feel like nowadays you're going to get that as often. Everything's super, super to a click, super polished. Yeah. The most comments you see on YouTube is like, oh, the mix fucking sucks on this. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, really, a lot of uh, mids there, huh? And you're like, yeah, well, and everybody's an expert. You but know? What about the song, man? Like, who right. cares? I used to listen to shit on a fucking, on a Walkman that yeah. had awful speakers. I never thought about, oh, I need it, like, definitely more highs yeah. in here. Who gives a shit? I'm listening to what they're writing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, the, the further the uh, people get away from, you know, creating albums and really, you know, as some artists, that's not what they do, you know? So, and I respect that too. I yeah. mean, like, if you're not into making a record, then, you know, put out songs. But I think that, yeah. like, there's something beautiful about. You know, I listened to back in the day, I think uh, I was working at Gibson in the lumber mill and um, had a mini disc player. Remember mini disc players? It was mm. like a really did not take off. Yeah, but anyway, I had about. Dark Side of the Moon on there and I didn't have anything else on this mini disc player. And I was working like 16 hour days. So I just listened to Dark Side of the Moon on repeat until I couldn't listen to it anymore and it was one of those experiences that like shaped how I was going to write for the rest of my life Um, not because it was the first time I heard Dark Side of the Moon but because having listened to it for so many like listened to it so many fucking times at this point that my brain like understood the fluidity from song to song and how important it is to like yeah transition as well as make you know, to make gnarly sounds and, and not have limitations, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like that kind of a experience just made me want to go like, I want to make albums, you know, and if you have the capability, I think part of the problem too is like a lot of bands will, you know, have one or two good songs on record and then the rest is filler. Mm, yeah. And then, you know, because I remember there was, oh, uh, you know, love them or hate them with like third eye blind uh, their first record that they released when was I think I was in high one? school, it was uh, no, it was before that. It was Semi Charm oh. Life one. Oh, okay. Uh, which I don't. Th- I think, I think they were Char- on the same. On album. the same one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That God of Wine, all those songs. Every one of those songs That's was played album. on on my radio station growing up. Every one. So like, who would say then like, oh, you shouldn't make records, you know, you shouldn't make a whole album. But if you have record, like song after song after song that you feel good about, you know, that speaks to you. Yeah. Like, I don't think that, uh, you know, there's stuff you can look at in hindsight in your recording, in your musical career. You know, like I've been doing this for like 23 years, something like that, Mm -hmm. from when I started my first band. And uh, there's music I wouldn't make now. Uh, that I made back then and that kind of thing. But yeah. it was just growth over time and stylistic changes and things like that. But in yeah, those well, moments when I was making those records, I never felt wrong about any of those songs. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like, yeah, this is supposed to be a record, you know? 
Well, you know, one thing, um, John Mayer, just like uh, he was talking in like an interview and I was seeing a thing where he was saying his album, his last album didn't really do that well in sales. Yeah. And, um, and, and apparently it's happening to a lot of people because everybody's streaming everything. Yeah. So people aren't buying as much. So he's like, well, then maybe fuck it. And I'll just do singles and write kind of what I'm into at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so he could change even more quickly yeah. and evolve than doing an album and it not being really uh, accepted or appreciated in the right way, you yeah. know? So I, I don't know. I see the appeal to that of like singles. That could even be a way that you could, I don't know, almost, almost like a podcast or like how we do everything now with social media mm-hmm. and people aren't looking just for music anymore. Now they want to kind of understand who you are or at least, you know, uh, things I'm into, that's the way I feel now. I like following people on Instagram or I like seeing mm-hmm. all these different things about them and, and kind of about their life or I guess getting some kind of genuineness from them. Yeah. And maybe singles, it could be a way to do that in a sense, you yeah. know, not saying an album can't, I just meant when I heard, when I saw that thing, I was like, well, I can see the appeal. I yeah. still prefer albums though, just for listening. Like I, I like to go through a, a whole album and, and just listen to it and kind of take it in. And Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like I love albums too. Yeah. You know? I was thinking about the chili peppers, their Californication. Yeah, album. That whole, I mean, that whole album is hit after hit. front to back, yeah. dude. Front to back. Yeah. Well, look at a band Two like... finger paint like, is not um, a sin. I put my middle finger in. <laughs> was it the first or the second album of uh, Linkin Park that every song Their on it was a single? first record, I think. Yeah. The second one was Meteora, is that right? Yeah, I thought it was that, that one. That one was all did the same thing. Yeah, it was like every song in like two albums, they just had like 40 singles, right. you know? Well, and, and then like, suddenly people went from saying that they were like, we love rock and hip-hop being put together to like we hate this well yeah it was limp biscuit yeah you know, actually well, i don't even want to say it was limp biscuit because i feel like limp biscuit did have an impact i don't care what anybody says if you listen to rock music grow up even if it was for five minutes you had a moment where you were like into limp biscuit sure. for a second you know and Wes borland like he was a big influence on me like i i thought he was an awesome guitar player and very like just like weird thinker mm-hmm. you know he's a super artistic dude who just happens to be in this kind of broy yeah and you know i think that was and, the yeah the but bro-y. to me what i think ruined the rap and hip-hop thing was like the more and more like i don't know like mushroom head kind of thing mm. even though they were early in that i just meant not even them the branches off of them i think like, like papa roach oh yeah you know what that didn't even pop that was kind of yeah. like rap they yeah, didn't really, I don't know that they knew what it was. It was new metal. It was all under that blanket, that yeah. umbrella of new metal. That unfortunately the Deftones got put in. No, yeah, like, Deftones <laughs> can't, you cannot categorize Deftones. Deftones are, have been underrated by, I think, music uh, culture or, you know, acceptance uh, compared to where they should be. I think that, you know, like around the fur, uh, White Pony, I best. mean, just still so good and you can still listen to today yeah like the snare kind of kills me a few like on a few <laughs> songs just because it's like yeah oh have you ever you ever heard um straight piccolo uh what the fuck is it the 
the Metallica album, the Saint Anger album, uh-huh. and like the snare on that. Do you remember that? It's like a piccolo kind of snare yeah. thing. They like tuned up, <laughs> oh, so it's yeah. just like this, like really high pitched, no. like super annoying, and yeah. like it, it was. Those just are some strange. things that are hard hard to get past when you're listening to a record. Yeah, you know. Well, on that note, guys, I wanted to ask you a few questions before we're uh, before we're heading out. Cool. So I'm a chatty. Um, oh yeah, this is it's for you, you guys. What's the worst show you've ever played? Ooh. Uh, prob- <laughs> pro- <laughs> probably like growing up in church when I was first learning, like and just kind of guessing. Like they, <laughs> I, I would be good with like some of the easier stuff, and they throw some weird hymn out, you know, in there, and I would be lost because it, it, was, it was like it's like playing classical music or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> um, see, so bombed in church. Yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with it, bro. I've bombed plenty of times. What about you, Dan? Oh, man. The list is long, <laughs> and normally it was my fault back in the day. But uh, um, there was one show, I, speaking of, you know, we were talking about pedals before, and there they can be a blessing and a curse. And... Uh, whammy pedal in particular that I love to use so much uh, and I used uh, so much in other bands too um, you would you can rock it back and forth to change the uh, one octave up one octave down and I would use that both settings on one song but I went to bring the pedal down and there was a chord underneath so it didn't go quite all the way down oh, yeah, yeah. and when I brought it back another chord you know the my pedal board messiness uh, was on it so it just was this farting <laughs> like weird in between i had some like that i had some that uh i was not in good shape to play uh shows that uh apologies to all uh ever involved in those shows but uh i would say um yeah, the the list is getting shorter as time go, goes on. That's so I'm glad. I, I can definitely tell you some of my favorite shows for sure. Oh yeah, but we don't want to hear about no. Those. We don't no. like good things. All right, that's no. I'm just playing. That I um I've played some real bad shows, and I've I've told them on here before too. But um, one of them I was just thinking of when I was when you were even talking about that was like. I played in this place that was it was called like Hurricanes or something. It was in Central Florida. Oh man, such a fitting name. <laughs> and um, and we were opening for this band that was called Retardo Bot. Oh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and they were a band from Tampa, Florida that went on. You know MSI, Mindless Self Indulgence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, well, Retardo Bot opened for Mindless Self Indulgence on a bunch of tours, so they thought they were like super rock stars and everything. Uh. They were like the next thing about to blow up when really they were just ripping off mindless self-indulgence. And, um, mm. and so these guys, they were like real douchebags when they showed up, they wanted like a thing of cookies and all this different, like, you know, their rider type thing. And, um, cookies. and I was just like 16, like, just like, Oh, I'm s- so happy to play, you know? And, <laughs> um, we went up there and like the whole audience hated us. Oh man. I've been like, there. because we were just not their thing. We were more, you know, we weren't like retardo, but <laughs> you know, we like <laughs> you weren't the band, the yeah, other band. So, um, 
so when we played like nobody liked it and there was a lot of people there and it was like strange and then somebody yelled free bird and like <coughs> so then my thing whenever somebody yells free bird is i just start playing free bird and like try to go through the whole song and so we went to do that then and man th- it did not like win them over oh, like wow. oh this is kind of funny that they're actually doing yeah it. yeah they were just like oh now i really hate them and then the sound dude like turned us <laughs> like, <laughs> turned <laughs> things down like one of those slow like like and uh yeah it was a it was a bad show but you know like you said they're less and less over time and yeah every yeah. voltage hawk show has been kick-ass i think that uh show that we played at the uh, Beast with Denman and the Tip and um, Defense Wings oh, Championships. Man, that was an amazing show. Uh, we did that yoga before. You want to talk about, like... Wow. Oh, can we talk about that? Like, yeah. That yoga no, I felt so like... Much. I was so loose. Dude. We should do that every time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Eleanor is the yogi. Eleanor I listened to the podcast because I'm also a fan of your podcast. <laughs> um, and you had forgotten it. Her name is yeah. Eleanor. So thank you, Eleanor, for Eleanor's uh, amazing. being our yogi is the best okay now last few questions here um so what is what i would say you don't have to name a place but if you could picture in your mind like a dream show venue like something where it could be like last week we had our buddy russ on you know amazing drummer for d white and a bunch of other people um he was saying like he wanted to play like a big outside venue like something like you know Mm-hmm. Whatever, red rocks or whatever that kind of mm-hmm. thing um but you know uh to each their own what would you feel hmm. what's I your mean, ideal spot uh, i'd really love to uh play a three-night gig in titty city <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was a good serious answer. Uh, right there. <laughs> no, I, I, um, yeah, like it doesn't have to be a serious answer. You can, I'd gladly spend three days playing in Titty City. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> uh, I mean, another foreign country, or I mean, oh, yeah, oh that'd be cool. Like Australia or. What's that? New Zealand. Yeah, That'd be fun. In the outback, eh? Hey, yeah, gay, Hi, mate. I'm gay, mate. Gay, yeah, mate. Uh, <laughs> what's that uh, castle that uh, it's in Ireland, I think? Castle something that, like, you two did a thing there. Uh, the Pearl Jam. Manor. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's racist against my peoples. <laughs> um, something like that. I think, uh, I don't know. I remember watching, you know, VHSs and stuff like that of bands playing at, like, Reading or Reading. Oh, yeah, like and stuff like that yeah like oh, back yeah. in the 90s and you just it's unidentifiable how many people are there you can't yeah like that like however queen, you do that queen Rem- wembley arena yeah just shit. like there's definitely people that died at those shows just because there's oh, too bro. many people like yeah, a whole country came to a concert have you ever it seen the video like an entire country pantera playing uh russia they played moscow in like 1990 or 91 i've seen it Dude, they played to nearly a million people. That's just it was like that. I it was hard to understand, but yeah, there's that. stacks and like you can just see seas of people. It looks like for miles, and you'll just see these big, like towers in between them, mm-hmm. and those are just like the speakers that have to be like out that far so people can even hear it. And the yeah. stage is this tiny little thing, 
it, it was insane. But you can look it up on YouTube. Did, I, did I tell crazy. you I sang in wow. uh, Carnegie Hall when I was a little boy? A little wow. boy? Yeah, as part of the National Children's Honor Choir. Oh, that's awesome. My brother and I were the ones from Lincoln, Nebraska at the time. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah it was cool. I, I, um, I understood sort of the significance of Carnegie Hall. I think I was like... Maybe my son's age, like 12 or 11, somewhere in there. That's cool. I was singing very high, very high parts. But we <laughs> say, sang a song, Quillo Quay Quang Quattle Dao. <laughs> that uh, sounds racist <laughs> for some reason. I don't know what it is. Uh, no, none of us, it was like, the butler took out his wooden knife. Quillo Quay, Quillo Quay. <laughs> you my, still remember? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, my brothers and I sang that song oh, forever. Wow. But it was a big deal because like, um, we couldn't... Um, my parents couldn't afford like the plane tickets and stuff to um, New York, so my grandmother like she helped out with that. She's on the other side at this point, but uh, and she also bought us little the little weird suits we had to wear, yeah, uh, to be part of a choir in New York City. But it that's was pretty awesome. amazing. And then I saw like I think Home Alone two and and Carnegie Hall was in there, and I was just like, it's so much more significant now that <laughs> Macaulay Culkin's been in there. Wow, yeah, dude. Ironically, I was thinking of a. Uh, song that we used to sing in school choir, like as a young kid, is in another language. Is I think it was African. See a humble cook on your yes. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. man. We sing. What the fuck are you guys so talking about right it's now? It's the we are marching in the light. Why are you God. speaking in other languages in your chorus? Uh, they want you to be ethnic. But what language is that? It's Swahili. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I thought it was something like that. Oh, I remember I heard you in the beginning of The Lion King. That yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was me. That was good. I got paid real. I spent That's all that money, right dude. There. I spent all my Lion King money. Great album. Great album. Me and Elton. <laughs> all right. Now, what would be your dream band members, huh? What would be your dream if kind the, of like I live in the dream. Voltage Hawk. There you go. Live in the dream. There you go. There's Next no, question. No questions. Although... <laughs> No, I think uh, uh, who can we have dream uh, our dream auxiliary? There you guys? go. Sure, dream auxiliary. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm really bad with names, but <laughs> do you have a dream? <laughs> dream like who? Who on keys would you want? Um, Tyler, Zach Moscow. Okay, Zach Moscow. Or, which or he's an amazing player. He's or incredible. who's the guy? Or John Medeski. No, Moscow's great too. I just was gonna say we should just explain who Moscow is so oh. people would know. Okay. But he's he's <laughs> the <laughs> the keys player for Tedeschi, is that what you're saying? No, uh oh. Zach Moscow is a good friend of uh ours that Plays keys. He played in my oh, band called Hydra Mamas. Yeah, He's yeah. manipulating ginger the situation. I see. Uh, <laughs> ah, ginger. Who have That's, a show coming up? Yeah, we have a show actually. Uh, I think it's going to be May second at um, the Cobra. There you go. Who Funk uh, night. Just had to help help my bro. It's a reu- there you reunion go. show. Promo. But yeah, Zach's awesome dude, and he's uh, one of the best. Seriously, one of the best. Yeah, he's an incredible player. Keyboard, organ piano players i've ever seen i love some good keys i don't i mean like i i, I love the the advent of synth and keys and that combination and things like that where you kind of it's been around forever i like, miss i miss the 80s where people like my friend john lowry who was the keys guy for petra 
Yeah. Like you had like a stack. You had yeah. to stand. And you have like four of them. Yeah, yeah, just some crazy shit. Yeah, dude. I love that. The uh, keyboard player to Lady Gaga, he has like a full circle. Oh, yeah, keyboard. I've seen that. It goes all the way around him and can like spin and change octaves, all this crazy shit and whatever. Yeah. Okay, so we get Zach Moscow and in Voltage Hawk, and that's our dream band. There you and go. There we go. Well, guys. <laughs> can we get... um? Who's, uh, <laughs> Who's the guy that uh, makes the Halloween movies? John Carpenter. Can we get John yeah. Carpenter on synth? That would be is it my. John Carpenter or Wes Craven? It's John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Right? Yeah. yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah, I want that would be my ideal if we had a weird synth guy in the corner. There you go. It would go. be John Carpenter just playing like Halloween, creepy music. Well, I'd get Yanni. Yanni. If yeah. I'm getting my synth done, I want it done right. Oh. <laughs> and, and I want yeah, that freak awesome. bastard fucking playing his heart out. Um, all right, well, guys, those are my questions for you. I hope you enjoyed hanging out. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to wrap it up, but at least, hey, this has been Chase. I've um, got a question for you, Chase. Oh, no. All right, what is it? Um, what are you going to be cooking on your show Oh with man. Dan? Exactly. We do have YouTube videos that we're working on that we're going to start doing here. That's true. And we were talking about it a little last week. So... Um, I'm not going to tell them the things that we're going to plan okay. all sorts of different things, but yeah. fine. Don't I'm not tell them. Give it to you like two uh, weeks uh, in le- advance. At least, like, at least you better be ready for that meatloaf that's coming. That's and right. We're at have. least let them. You better be have a little taste. We're going to make it tonight and then tell you about it a week and a half. All right, let's go to a clip. Right. Margarine. <laughs> brought to you lots, by lots margarine. Of wheat what is brought it? Brought to you by. God damn it! I need a soundboard on here, dude. I need a soundboard <laughs> that I sit here and we have clips. Boo, and boo, shit. Boo, boo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. DJ horns, all of it. But no, we're gonna have some YouTube videos of me and Dan cooking. Um, yeah, because we're both uh, professionals. Yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of a weird thing. I've never been. Uh, I've never been in a band with someone who had the same sort of occupation besides music or like uh other career life you know yeah, what i mean bro. cooks cooks yeah, and guitar players bro so yeah. to speak that's what we do um but we're gonna be doing that soon i'll let you know about that you can check out for those things on voltagehawk.com and um voltage talk is gonna be having some social media pages up soon um but until then, you can check us out on SoundCloud, on yes. iTunes. Uh, I think we're going to be on Stitcher. And then uh, we're also going to be putting out our uh, weekly jam videos here soon. Uh, Russ is going to be coming back and helping out with some of those. So we're going to have some cool-ass different Nashville players on jams on YouTube for you. So I hope you enjoyed our talk, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah.